and you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at, and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes, or shoot me an email. The address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com, or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, I want to start today's show by giving a shout out to Lori in New Mexico. She let me know yesterday that she was going to have a, a group of 12 year olds in her house and they were going to listen to the show. And, uh, and then I went and, and, uh, cursed on the air. So I apologize to the kiddies. Uh, don't use those words. I don't think the word I used was actually one of the 12 band words. So I, I didn't have to go back and edit it out of the uh, terrestrial broadcast, but uh, I, I, I was talking about the uh, social media check marks on Twitter that were uh, taken out after Mike Lindell, and I, uh, I called them uh, a bad name. So, kids, don't be like me. <laughs> but uh, I look forward to, to meeting Lori and, uh, and all of the jackholes uh, when we get around to rescheduling the Mojo Con. I'm looking forward to that. Well, the big news uh, of today is, again, uh, Trump's press conference. Once again, he started out really good, and uh, and then he devolved into this banter, this back and forth uh, with the media that uh, really serves no purpose. He should limit it to five questions, one question each, and then get the hell off the stage. We don't need to hear about uh, all, of, uh, all of your personal grievances, and we don't need to hear the media grinding their acts against this administration. Here's a report from Rich Thomason at Town Hall setting this up. Racing for the worst. As a nation, we face a difficult few weeks. President Trump saying the coming days will be very challenging for Americans dealing with the coronavirus. Government experts, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, say that anywhere from 100,000 to 240,000 people could die in the U.S., He says the projections, while realistic, are not inevitable. We're going to continue to see things go up. We cannot be discouraged by that because the mitigation is actually working and will work. So the experts said yesterday that uh, without the early action that the Trump administration took, that there could have been from 1.5 to 2.2 million deaths in this country, but that as a result of the early travel bans from the affected areas and the mitigation that the administration has put together, that they hope to force that down to a hundred to 240,000 deaths. The, uh, the question is, uh, are we going to balance that off against the amount of lives that have been saved in this, uh, the social distancing regime that we're all in? There's going to be far, far fewer, uh, traffic accident deaths, far, far fewer uh, deaths as you know, result of uh, crime and, and other things. So I wouldn't be surprised once all of this is over. We, we normally get about 40,000 traffic accident deaths a year, and, 
and uh, about 16,000 homicides and other things. <clears throat> you know, if, if you balance that off, I suspect that uh, it's going to be far, far lower net. And uh, one of the interesting things about these projections are based on models that were conducted by an epidemiologist at uh, Johns Hopkins is uh, they they look at the current rates and they factor into those current rates the situation in New York City, where we know New York City was uh, deeply irresponsible on all of this, encouraging people to attend parades in Chinatown, shaming anybody that uh, dared to suggest that it would be better to stay indoors. And, of course, in New York City, they live on top of each other. It's uh, probably the most densely populated city in the country. Everybody gets around on uh, on the subway, which are a Petri dish for the coronavirus. So these, this, uh, these estimates for, for 100 to uh, 240,000 deaths, I think when it comes to the end, are going to be uh, on the high side. I don't think that – I think New York's a, a special case and should not have been – factored into these projections. Another thing the projections don't take into account is uh, the development of these these uh, on-the-spot testing devices that deliver results in as little as five minutes, nor do they take into account uh, these therapeutics that we're bringing online. You know, I remember in the early days of this, the media was touting uh, hydroxychloroquine and the um, zethromycin, the Z-Packs, as a possible cure, then the president came out, said he was hopeful about it, and immediately that became fake news. He was offering um, false hopes to the public. But we now know that uh, worldwide they're using this proven uh, malaria drug that's been used since 1940, and they are using it both as a therapeutic and a so-called prophylactic, <laughs> a coronavirus condom. And, uh, and it is, it is having, uh, the desired effects and the president was really good in his prepared statements. And he was really good right up into the point where he started taking questions from the assembled braying hounds, the hyenas, the chihuahuas in the press corps. He, he engaged with Jim Acosta for an extended period of time. And Jim Acosta was trying his best not to be a, a butthead but he was a butthead. He was trying to camouflage his uh, gotcha uh, questions. And, uh, and Trump engaged him, called him Jim, uh, gave him a lot of time. And uh, let's see, I've got a, do I have a clip from that? No, I don't. Uh, at one point, one of the uh, media asked Trump uh, if he thought impeachment was a distraction. Recently, Mitch McConnell in the Senate pointed out that in the early days of all of this, the Democrats had entirely bogged down our Congress in this in their impeachment frenzy. And while they were busy doing that, the president was, in fact, you know, attempting to address the crisis. And one of the one of the reporters asked Trump about that. Mr. McConnell, yeah. He said that impeachment diverted the attention of the government. Do you think that in any way, this, this was happening in building at the same time, did it divert your attention or your team's attention or the vice president's attention? Well, I don't like to think I did. I think I handled it very well, but I guess it probably did. I mean, I got impeached. I think, you know, I certainly devoted a little time to thinking about it, right? So, uh, but think of it. 
It was a hoax. It was a total hoax. And when you think that I got impeached only because they had a majority in the House, they didn't get one, they didn't get one Republican vote. 196 to nothing. Not one Republican. I don't think it's ever happened. The Republicans stuck together. And they stuck together in the Senate 52 to a half. A half. So, you know, when you say that, yeah, I think it took a lot of, I, I see them going and saying about speed. Well, uh, they probably illegally impeached me in the sense that if you look at the FBI today. So that clip or, or that response to the question goes on for about another three or four minutes. And that's what I'm talking about. The president is doing the right thing. He's being transparent. He's coming to the uh, to the nation every day, giving them updates. But this getting bogged down and sidetracked on old grievances is not helpful, and it doesn't put him in a good light. This is not the time for that. I know the president can't control what questions they uh, the media ask, but he should have responded to that question with uh, with a short soundbite. He should have pointed out that uh, while the virus was in its early state, the House Intelligence Committee, led by Adam Schiff, had been hijacked entirely as an impeachment committee. So when they should have had their eye on what was going on in China and listening to the intelligence reports, the impeachment committee was not even on the job. They weren't even concerned with those kind of things. And Jim Acosta, in his question, you know, tried to paint the president in a corner. He's pursuing this narrative that Trump acted too late. When, in fact, the most effective action that any nation has taken on the face of the earth were those early travel bans because the president wasn't afraid to be called a xenophobe, uh, you know, and did what was right for the American people. Those travel bans were why... You know, we had time to get on top of this while Europe is absolutely being hammered by it because they did not institute travel bans. The United Nations and the World Health Organization criticized Trump for doing that. The Democrats were all out calling him a racist and a xenophobe and said this was going to make matters worse to this day. The New York Times is writing in its pages that, uh, you know, our attempts to secure our border are actually counterproductive to the response to the virus, which is absolutely asinine and and totally 180 degrees opposite of reality. At one point in the uh, conference, Dr. Fauci actually um, admonished Jim Acosta for taking uh, sound bites out of context and warned him that uh, you know he was he was stoking uh, misinformation. The mainstream media is, is constantly attacking uh, Fox News, saying that you know that they downplayed the significance of this virus in the early days. You can go on the pages of the New York Times or the Washington Post or MSNBC or CNN and find uh, example after example of them criticizing the president for taking this early action, which gave us a fighting chance didn't put us in the same boat as Europe and South Korea and other countries. At one point in the, uh, the press conference, the president brought up uh, another $2 trillion spending bill. This one is to be focused on infrastructure. 
And this has been something that he has been trying to do. It's something that the country desperately needs to upgrade our infrastructure. Uh, so much of our budget has been hijacked by worthless social justice and Green New Deal type projects. He said at one point that, uh, you know, the money wasn't going to be uh, used for any of that foolishness. But of course, you know, if you're going to get it through the Congress, uh, they're going to want their cut. The Democrats control the House of Representatives and they're going to want their pork. Similar to what they, these billions and billions of dollars that they sent out in this recovery package that had absolutely nothing to do with the recovery for this crisis. But the president also touched on uh, the uh, the oil crisis that has been triggered uh, as a combination between a uh, price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia and now the lack of the demand. He pointed out that we've got oil tankers just um, just uh, adrift at sea, have nowhere to deliver their cargoes because the market is down so much. And if you really want to do something to help the economy in the short term, what we need to do is protect our domestic energy production and our our industry industry and the jobs uh, it, it's the strongest most vital seg- segment of our economy right now and i don't want to raise gases at the pump i'm i'm enjoying paying uh so much less than normal uh the the price now at the pump down here in florida is uh is about a dollar 90 if current trends continue the president pointed out that uh, it could drop to under a dollar a gallon, prices we haven't seen since the 1950s. But the president was asked about uh, about the crisis in the oil industry, and here's what he had to say. Nine cents per gallon of gasoline. It's uh, incredible in a lot of ways. It's going to help the airlines, but uh, at the same time, it's hurtful to one of our biggest industries. That's the oil industry. It's really... Uh, it's not even feasible what's going on. So I spoke to President Putin about that. I also spoke to the Crown Prince about that, Saudi Arabia. No, I think, yeah, they're going to get together and we're all going to get together and we're going to see what we can do because you don't want to lose an industry. You're going to lose an industry over a thousand... Man, these, uh, these press conferences could be so much better if the president just focused on his strengths, you know, managing uh, the the response and, and the economy and other things that, you know, where he's strong and the American people appreciate it, but, you know, getting bogged down with these, uh, these old grievances and, uh, the, you know, uh, barking back at the chihuahuas and the media is not helping anybody. And it's not helping his reelections effort efforts either. I can tell you some of the people that are watching that are, are, have got to be saying, you know, this, uh, this is not good. At the same time, he's got old Joe Biden trapped in his basement. He should be uh, uh, highlighting the difference between a hands-on can-do manager and old Joe that, um, you know, is a, a lifelong politician. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the star of yesterday's presser, and that is Dr. Deborah Bricks. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. Are you- 
Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. Boy, watching these press conferences when uh, Dr. Deborah Brick steps up, steps up to the microphone really lets you uh, understand why they brought this woman back from, uh, I think she was doing work in Africa and put her in charge of the coordination efforts for the uh, vice president's task force. She is a voice of calm and reason and reassurance, uh, never sugarcoats anything, but uh, puts it in, in context. I don't think the media likes the fact that, uh, you know, that, that she's making the administration look good. They've been, uh, they've taken to, after initially praising her, they've taken to attacking her because she explains the president's position better than he can, by the way. And uh, and supports the actions that are being taken. So now they've taken to calling her a Stepford wife and uh, a uh, a sycophant to the president, which is absolutely despicable. And you'd expect nothing, nothing uh, less from the media. But uh, Dr. Dr. Brick stepped to the microphone yesterday and uh, and explained these modeling projections that uh, the administration was putting forward. In their estimates, they had between 1.5 million and 2.2 million people in the United States succumbing to this virus without mitigation. Yet through their detailed studies and showing us what social distancing would do, what people, what would happen if people stayed home, what would happen if people were careful every day to wash their hands and worry about touching their faces, that what an extraordinary thing this could be if every American followed these. And it takes us to that stippled mountain that's much lower, a hill actually, down to 100 to 200,000 deaths, which is still way too much. And she goes on to point out that these, these models are based in part on the experience in New York. I think that's an outlier and should probably be treated as such. But... You know, this idea of not touching your face, I don't know about you. I, I, I'm finding it pretty impossible not to do that. Um, there's just, uh, it's just such a, a natural thing to do that uh, I don't see how anybody's not touching their face. She also went on in that news conference to point out that uh, part of the reason that, you know, the uh, health service in the United States uh, didn't get engaged sooner is because of all the misinformation coming out of China. Uh, I I couldn't find a clip of this, but uh, this is a quote. I think the medical community interpreted the Chinese data as that that was serious, but smaller than anyone expected. 
you know, originally they were saying that they had lost 500 people and, and all of that. We now know that that's false and we're still getting false information. But she went on to say, because I think probably we were missing significant amount of data and there's no doubt about that. Not only were we missing significant data, but uh, a lot of these bureaucrats in Washington were basing their actions on China uh, Chinese reports as if you could trust anything that was coming out of the, the communist dictatorship in Australia. They're uh, they're more on top of this than American media. Here is a report from Australians version of 60 minutes. From the very beginning throughout December, it was spreading and we now know it was spreading human to human, but the official line of the Chinese government was that this was all related to an animal market. And once they closed the market, it would all go away. Did they know differently at that time? Absolutely. Because uh, they were seeing cases coming into the hospitals that had nothing whatsoever to do with that animal market. Well, we know now that the guy that blew the whistle on this early on, he perished. He was an ophthalmologist, oddly enough, but he worked in a hospital and he uh, he started reporting on social media that uh, you know the early phases of this he was he was almost immediately infected and uh, and died so did by the way the director of that hospital where he worked you would think both of these guys they were relatively young and relatively healthy and had the knowledge to protect themselves but oddly enough oddly enough they died as a result here's a, another clip from that 60 minutes australia report as China now tries to rewrite history and claim it was transparent all along, a final nail in the coffin of their lie. Just two weeks ago, the head of emergency at Wuhan Central Hospital, Dr. Ai Fen, also went public, saying authorities had stopped her and her colleagues from warning the world. She has now disappeared, whereabouts unknown. So many of the people that responded early to this in China, which is, um, you know, uh, the people in China are trying to free themselves of the yoke of the communist dictatorship. But uh, they're certainly suffering the consequences if they step out and speak up. But any way you cut this situation, whether or not it came from this wet market, so-called wet market in Wuhan, where they slaughter wild animals, mix their bloods and secretions, uh, and, you know, infect humans that are handing products back and forth to the general public. If you're buying that, I'm not any longer. I, I, I was always had a skepticism toward that story because the, the virology lab where it's uh, re- widely reported that they conduct experiments on germ warfare was so close, even closer than, than I originally realized or whether or not you believe it came out of that uh, that laboratory or, you know, was being developed for germ warfare, came out of that laboratory accidentally or on purpose. The bottom line, any way you cut it, is China did this to us, either through their, uh, their third world uh, health standards or uh, through negligence or intention out of that viral laboratory. China did this to us. And you know who else did this to us? All of the people in the government and on Wall Street 
and in these big multinational globalist corporations that insisted that we uh, couple our economy with a communist dictatorship, they did this to us too. And at some point, there needs to be a reckoning for all of this. These people should not just be able to walk away from it and uh, and continue to uh, to be at any position of influence or authority over us. But I'm uh, I'm trying to be optimistic like the president. I think when all of this is over, the number is going to be less than those, those current projections. I think the net of the lives lost is going to be, well, uh, it's probably going to be not approaching zero, but uh, but way, way down there. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at uh, whether or not the listeners want any more Biden gaff clips. Stick with us. We'll be right back, right here on Right Now on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. Well, in the first part of the broadcast, I was talking about China's culpability in all of this. And, uh, you know, I've been saying for the longest time, and I've had guests on that uh, were pointing out that um, it's the the story of the wet market is pretty pretty iffy I, I was pointing out that the 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 viral laboratory where intelligence agencies in uh, in Israel were saying they're conducting uh, germ warfare experiments was just 20 miles away from this wet market well <laughs> little did I know that that was a bit of misinformation it's not just 20 miles away from the the wet market, it's seven miles away, and there's a, another viral laboratory that's just a few hundred yards away. So this was a very convenient uh, story for the communist Chinese dictatorship to put forward. And somehow it got in these stories that this was a 20-mile separation. It was anything but. And I took a lot of abuse for putting guests on the air and... Um, and saying that uh, the the story of the wet market is is uh, suspicious at best. 
got a lot of uh, emails saying, calling me a conspiracy theorist and on social media. Well, turns out that um, I was part of the the media that was, in fact, doing its jobs and and uh, and trying to put two and two together, while the media was busy calling anybody who who raised these possibilities a racist and a xenophobe and a conspiracy theorist. They were entirely ignoring a study that was done in China. You recall that uh, Steve Mosier um, appeared on Tucker's show and said, uh, you know, that it's it's likely that it came out of this lab and that um, that these uh, these claims uh, totally ignored the reality and that even the Chinese government had come out with advisories on uh, on tightening up their procedures at these bio labs. Well, last night on Tucker's show, he, he apparently has found a, uh, a study that came out of the Chinese Technical Institute that details most likely what happened. And speaking of the Chinese government, on February 6th, scientists from the South China University of Technology uploaded a paper on the origins of coronavirus. Where did it come from? Well, this offers some clue. At the time, the official death toll in China from the coronavirus was 564. The paper made a number of notable observations and claims that are worth knowing about, and that's why we're telling you. But you should keep in mind as you hear this that these findings come from Chinese scientists who work for a university that is controlled by the Chinese government. So whatever else they are, the views you're about to hear are probably not racist, anti-Chinese propaganda. Here's what the paper says. First, the scientists confirm what scientists around the world have said they believe. The virus most likely came from an animal known as the intermediate horseshoe bat. Here's the striking thing. There are no known colonies of this bat within 900 kilometers of Wuhan. Nor is there any evidence that they were sold in the Wuhan wet market despite many claims in the American media to the contrary. But let's be clear, the only actual analysis of that question that we're aware of is in this paper. These scientists interviewed almost 60 people, 59 of them, who frequented the Wuhan wet market. They confirmed there were no horseshoe bats for sale there, period. So that raises the question, where did the virus-carrying bats come from? And the paper says this, quote, We screened the area around the market and identified two laboratories conducting research on bat coronavirus. Within a few hundred yards of the wet market was something called the Wuhan Center for Disease Control and Prevention. According to public reports, the center used intermediate horseshoe bats for research. Then about seven miles away was another facility. This one was called the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The Virology Institute also conducted research on intermediate horseshoe bats, the ones that were not sold at the wet market. South China University scientists concluded that the coronavirus pandemic, the one that people are dying from here, likely came from one of these two government labs in Wuhan. They noticed that a scientist at the Wuhan Center for Disease Control and Prevention had been exposed to the blood and urine of horseshoe bats. They also suggested that infected tissue samples from research animals may have wound up in the Wuhan wet market. And they ended the paper this way, quote, the killer coronavirus probably originated from a laboratory in Wuhan. Safety levels may need to be reinforced in high-risk biohazardous laboratories. Regulations may be taken to relocate these laboratories far away from city centers and other densely populated places. End quote. How's that for interesting? 
Now, this paper has been online for nearly two months, and so far it has been virtually ignored in this country. Almost nobody in American journalism has dared to write about it. The few who have were immediately attacked as dangerous conspiracy theorists. And I'm one of them. So if, if you're relying on the fifth estate in this country to give you unvarnished news or even information you need to protect your, yours and your family's health, well, you're SOL. Uh, Fox News uh, and Tucker Carlson and a lot of the alternative media are, are where you're going to get the actual news. So I, I'd just like to say to these people that were sending me emails telling me stop, uh, stop sowing hate and division, these people that uh, were tweeting at me, you know, that I was a conspiracy theorist, what do you got to say now? This report was not, uh, you know, from Alex Jones or InfoWars, which I don't, uh, I don't traffic in. This was from the Chinese Institute of Technology, and they say quite clearly that it's uh, it's most likely that it came out of one of these viral labs. Now, if you want to call me a conspiracy theorist, I, I will say this: the characteristics of this virus are something like we've never seen. That's why it is doing so much damage worldwide, killing so many people. This virus infects, and uh, most people will not even show any symptoms of it while they're highly contagious. This virus has got a so-called R factor, the contagion factor, five times that of these previous uh, coronaviruses, SARS and, and the swine flu and others. And, uh, and, and yet it has a very high mortality rate as well. So I'm just saying, if you were actually designing a virus to conduct germ warfare, you couldn't do much more, uh, make, you couldn't engineer a much more deadly virus than they've got here. The U S Navy is reporting that they've got an infection on, uh, on one of their aircraft carriers, I think service-wide, they've identified about 600 infected service members. That's probably a, a, just the tip of an iceberg because they're not testing everybody. They only test people if they're showing symptoms. But, um, but there's a, a Navy character, uh, carrier, the name of which escapes me right now, that has identified about 80 sailors on board that uh, have the coronavirus. And, uh, and this is being considered a, um, a major, you know, threat to our uh, preparedness. Here's a report uh, from Reuters. The captain of a U.S. aircraft carrier is pleading for help as the coronavirus spreads on board his ship. In a letter dated Monday, he describes a bleak situation on the USS Theodore Roosevelt as more sailors test positive. U.S. officials confirmed the contents of the letter to Reuters on Tuesday, where Captain Brett Crozier wrote that the carrier lacked enough quarantine and isolation facilities and called for decisive action. He said, quote, we are not at war. Sailors do not need to die. If we do not act now, we are failing to properly take care of our most trusted asset, our sailors. The Navy puts the ship's complement on board at around 5,000 people. 
U.S. officials, speaking on the condition of anonymity, told Reuters that nearly 80 people aboard the ship have tested positive. However, the Navy still declined to confirm exactly how many people had been infected. U.S. Defense Secretary Mark Esper told CBS News on Tuesday he had not yet read the letter in detail, but it was not yet time to evacuate the carrier. I don't think we're at that point, Nora. Uh, we were moving a lot of supplies and uh, assistance, medical assistance, out to the carrier in Guam. We were providing additional med- medical personnel as they needed. And I'm pleased to report that none, none of them are seriously ill. The carrier was in the Pacific when the Navy reported its first coronavirus case a week ago. It has since pulled into port in Guam, a U.S. territory in the Western Pacific. Admiral John Acalino, head of the U.S. Navy's Pacific Fleet, has told reporters they plan to begin taking sailors off the ship on a rotating basis. The Roosevelt is just the latest example of the virus's spread throughout the U.S. military. As of Tuesday, more than 600 active duty service members have tested positive. So am I surprised that they've got a coronavirus infection on a U.S. Navy ship? Absolutely not. I'd be surprised if they didn't. These uh, these these fleets in the Western Pacific make regular port calls. I'm sure they, uh, they've been in ports in uh, South Korea and Thailand and... Um, you know, other highly affected areas, I'd be amazed if they didn't have infection rates. But, uh, you know, the, the Navy captain that, uh, I'm sure he's, he's probably, uh, a commander that is, uh, that is sounding the alarm here, I think is overreacting. Yeah, they're going to have some infections, but you know, you, you've got a very young population by and large on these ships. Uh, they're led by uh, enlisted chief officers uh, who sometimes are in their 40s, but you don't have any elderly people. You do have some people with compromised immune systems, and and they these ships are absolutely a breeding ground for uh, these type of infections. You actually have some people that are uh, hot bunking uh, while one of them's on watch, the other is getting some rack time, and uh, and when they change watches, uh, they get right in the bed that the other sailor came out of i'm not sure that they're hot bunking on these uh these carriers but uh, that is not an uncommon practice in the navy but uh you know i think the the captain i understand he's uh he's taking care of his his crew and that is his responsibility but uh unless you know somebody starts getting uh, uh so ill that they start you know uh, having to be hospitalized I think that this is not as big a problem as it could be otherwise. Talking about pulling into the ports in Guam, the last thing you want to do is uh, is bring the virus ashore. Guam is a, a very populated island uh, with a lot of, you know, mainly civilians. I don't know why they wouldn't take it over to Diego Garcia, which is an uh, entirely uh, U.S. military-occupied island in the Indian Ocean. But, uh, I, I, you know, while I love my Navy, where I served, uh, I think that uh, our military is going to be on top of this and able to keep our sailors and, uh, and service members healthy. While we're on the topic of naval ships, you might recall uh, that this week we sent um, U.S. Navy hospital ships to New York and Los Angeles. Uh, they're going to take on the overflow uh, from these hospitals that are not infected. Ideally, I'm sure that at some point the, the infection will get into those ships as well. 
But we're reminded from, of a clip from earlier this week when Rachel Maddow, who if you want to talk about somebody that really traffics in conspiracy theories and misinformation, had this to say on her show, uh, I think this was last Friday. In terms of uh, the happy talk we've had on this front from the federal government, there is no sign that the Navy hospital ships that the president made such a big deal of, the comfort and the mercy, um, there's no sign that they'll be anywhere on site helping out anywhere in the country for weeks yet. The president said when he announced that those ships would be put into action against the COVID-19 epidemic, he said one of those ships would be operational in New York Harbor by next week. (laughs) That's nonsense. It will not be there next week. So has... Rachel Maddow issued an apology or a retraction or even a correction? No, no, that's not the business they're in. They, they like to sit on their sets and call everybody else conspiracy theorists. While they themselves put out a just nightly show made up almost entirely of misinformation and conspiracies. And uh, after Rachel Maddow made that prediction, it was just a few days later that uh, the Mercy... And, uh, and the other Navy hospital ship were steaming into port in New York and Los Angeles. <laughs> These are our legacy media folks. These are the people that we're supposed to look to for good information. Hey, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209. 800-957-6209. 800 That's 800-957-6209. Well, if you hear a buzzing on the, uh, on the audio, uh, there is not a bee inside my studio. In fact, the landscapers have shown up to the neighbor's yard and they've got a, um, a, 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 a blower that uh, sounds like it's powered by a dragster engine and, uh, and they're, Right outside the window here, so I apologize if you're uh, getting any bleed over of that uh, that buzzing noise. So on yesterday's show, uh, you know, I was I was doing one of my favorite things, playing a, a Joe Biden gaffathon, and I asked, you know, whether the not the listeners were getting sick of hearing this, and I got a uh, a pretty good number of emails and uh, social media posts saying, yes, we are getting tired of that. Uh, well, you should limit it to you know the 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 most egregious Biden clips. And I also got a, a goodly number of people saying, no, we love the Biden clips. Keep it up. So 
<laughs> I'm going to dial back on my Biden clips, but I'm not going to stop them entirely because they're just too good. They're d- delicious. You know, you, think about this guy. He's been in government his entire life. So all of the messes that Trump inherited, he had a direct hand in, either in the Senate or as vice president. And now the, the establishment in the Democrat Party after should have learned their lesson from nominating Hillary Clinton have, have once again turned to one of the establishment, um, sellouts to, to be their champion. And Biden is issuing these, uh, these gaffes from his basement on a regular nonstop basis. And think about this. How many hours a night do you think Joe Biden is sleeping? How many hours do you, of sleep do you think he's getting? How much time? Does this guy have to prepare and study, you know, and get ready for these television hits? He's now taken to, to doing edited podcasts because they're trying to control, uh, you know, this, this gaffathon before it gets any worse. But in spite of the fact of being well-rested, in his home, plenty of time to study, he can't seem to make sense of what's going on around him. And with my apologies to the people that are tired of hearing the Joe Biden gaffes, here is uh, Joe Biden appearing on CNN yesterday. Says we have to do three things quickly. One, get more tests out there to find out who has the coronavirus. You had uh, Vice President Pence saying several weeks ago there'd be four million tests out there. We're nowhere near that now. Uh, in addition to that, we have to make sure that we're able to follow, like they did in in South Korea, which brought down the numbers. Follow those who are infected, who they had spoken to, were who had they not spoken to, who they had come in contact with, so we can track it back down so it doesn't re-erupt. And, uh, but you notice most of the states are moving in that direction now, Tennessee and others that did today. And I think that's going to be where we're going to end up. We'll come back to your point about this. this. So he, he's got three points, but he can only remember two. And he's uh, again, second guessing this whole testing regime. You know, uh, you can't test Joe, if you don't, don't have the virus and uh, China would not allow us to get our hands on one of these viruses or visit, uh, you know, their labs so that we could study it. So we were left at a disadvantage by your good buddies over in communist China, the same communist China that gave your son Hunter, a drug addict and a reject from the United States Navy, a billion and a half dollars in an investment fund on which he will take millions of dollars of fees from now on. All this guy has to do, Joe Biden, is sit in the back seat and second guess the guy that's driving this response, the president. And and he can't get his facts straight. He he can't be helpful. He can't you know offer any constructive ideas. But they are uh, they're going to try to limit uh, his access to the media now. They they've got him uh, on these edited podcasts. He had this um this YouTube uh, briefing town hall where, where he just got under a thousand people watching live. We got new polls that show that on the uh, response to the virus and on his management of the economy, Joe Biden weighs in at 43% compared to 45% for president Trump. So slow Joe is, uh, is, is, is not faring well. 
despite the fact that he's hiding in his basement, getting lots of sleep and plenty of time to get ready for these television hits. So on yesterday's show, we talked a lot about this response to Mike Lindell and the other um, CEOs and, and, and heads of these companies uh, coordinating or responding to the private, the call to private industry to become part of the solution and how all of these uh, reporters and social justice warriors on Twitter started um, criticizing him and claiming that it was unconstitutional for him to mention the Bible, you know, when, when he uh, was called to the podium, CNN cut away from his, uh, his talk. And all of this was, uh, of course, because he mentioned the Bible and you just couldn't wrap your mind around how cynical and, and really mean spirited people would have to be to criticize somebody because they cited the Bible at the same time they were using their faith to guide them in making sacrifices for themselves and their employees in response to this crisis. Well, Mike Lindell uh, appeared last night with uh, Lou Dobbs over there at Fox Business, and uh, he's not taking it sitting down. Tell you what, I heard Jim. I heard Jim Acosta attack me too, and he was ten feet from me in the Rose Garden. This is just evil, Lou. This is evil. I, you know, I was talking to the president. I said, you know, Mr. President, you're doing these press conferences. I said, I've had friends of mine that are on the left, and here I showed him one of my texts. It says, Mike, you know, I'm not a big fan of President Trump, but God bless him. He is doing an amazing job. I think he's turning me. These are the real people that are seeing now that this president has done the best man in charge for at such a time as this. It's just those newscasters, those journalists. from, And we know who they are. And I'm going to say at CNN, what they did to me, I'm sorry. I put out a message of hope to the country that God had given us grace on, on November 8, 2016 for such a time where we had, a nation had turned his back on God. And we've got... And right now, we're part of this big revival. We can sit at home and we can go there, get back in the Word with our Bibles, spend time with our families, and everybody pray that we have this great administration that can make some decisions to get us through this. And, you know, the, I, I just, I can't, I'm appalled by the journalists that, uh, that I see there. I used to think, you know, is that, are they really that evil? Well, yes, they are. So if you want to know what's coming next, you can just get ready for it. Pay attention. Mark, mark this point. I predict that the left is going to start going after my Mike Lindell's company, my pillow. They are going to start fomenting uh, lawsuits from his employees that will say that, uh, you know, Mike Lindell is posting, uh, encouraging messages from the Bible on the walls in his, uh, his office and his factories. And they're going to accuse him of, uh, religious discrimination and all of a bunch of other things. Whenever somebody, um, you know, raises uh, religion or anything like this, the left attacks. They've got uh, not so-called nonprofits that are set up specifically to do this. And you better believe that they're sitting in these, uh, these nonprofits right now, figuring out how they're going to go after Mike Lindell because he dared to, uh, to call people to faith during this time. You know, I'm no big fan of Andrew Como. He's being talked about now as uh, taking over the nomination uh, from Joe Biden. Andrew Como is a deeply corrupt politician. 
But you have to admit that even though his response to this virus in New York State was late to the game, he's doing a pretty good job. He's uh, he's mobilizing uh, the his resources, and he's uh, being effective at dealing with the president and getting additional resources from the federal government. And he's out there, you know, being seen and, and encouraging people. I can't really fault him for his response. I can fault him for a lot of other things, but his response to this crisis has been pretty on point. Now we're learning that uh, his little brother, Fredo, who I actually uh, also have no affection for, his little brother, Fredo, I shouldn't call him that in this case, his little brother, Chris Como over at CNN, has, uh, has been infected with the coronavirus. And here is a clip of Andrew uh, mentioning that. My brother, Chris, uh, is positive for coronavirus. Found out this morning. The We're running out of time and I don't want to I don't want to play all that clip because I want to get to this clip. This is uh, this is a pretty entertaining back and forth that uh, Andrew Como and Chris Como are having over there in CNN. Andrew Como, the governor of New York, is about 15 years older than his younger brother. And uh, and they're. They're having a pretty interesting uh, or entertaining, I should say, uh, back and forth on their interviews. Uh, with all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Tell the audience. No, no. No, you won't answer? No, I answered. The answer is no. No, you're not thinking about Sometimes it? Sometimes it's one word. I said no. Have no. you thought about it? No. Are you open to thinking about it? No. Might you think about it at some point? No. How can you know what you might think about at some point right now? Because I know what I might think about and what I won't think about. But you're a great interviewer, by the way. <laughs> you're a great interviewer. We're running out of time, and I want to I get at least part of this clip in. And I was doing what I do for my family, which is make my mother's sauce. She taught me how to make the sauce, which is something that is very coveted. And she said, I can only teach he, not she, he who will carry it on best. And you will see the B-roll of me cooking. My mother called me and said, and I was listening to her favorite, one of her favorite songs, Andrea Bocelli. And you'll see I had a picture of her behind me, as I always do when I'm cooking in the kitchen. I always have a picture of my mother there to remember our bond and how I care uh, for her. That she. So, you know, I'm no fan of these guys politically, but, uh, you know, it is good to see their affection for one another and going at each other on, on the air. I think it's, uh, it's making people realize that uh, Andrew Como is a much better candidate that Joe Biden will ever be. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it. 
with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.